It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to our first ever Locked On Gophers postcast here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. If this is your first time checking out Locked On Sports Minnesota, thank you. It's good to see you. My name's Sam Ekstrom. You can find me on Twitter slash X at Sam Ekstrom, and I'm joined to react to the Gophers' 25-6 win by Kane Robb. He's the daily host of the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast and Gophers Hall of Famer receiving legend Ron Johnson, who hosts the Ron Johnson Show here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Uh, Darius Taylor, welcome to Minnesota. What a breakout game for the freshmen for the Gophers. We're obviously going to break that down. The defense doesn't allow a first down in the second half. We'll talk about Joe Rossi, uh, Rossi's effort there, only allowing six points against the Eagles. And we will have to delve into a couple potentially damaging injuries that occurred in the fourth quarter uh, with Maverick Baranowski and Brevin Spanford. We'll get into all of that on today's Locked On Gophers postcast, the first ever edition. Kane Robb is at the stadium. So, Kane, let's give you the first word. Darius Taylor stepping in for Bryce Williams. Have a day. Uh, 193 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you saw the shiftiness. You saw some usage in the pass game as well, giving him 206 total yards on the evening. Uh, he was so close to punching in a second touchdown on two different occasions as well. But I liked what I saw from him. It looked like we were going to run the ball a lot in this matchup in the first place. So it was good to see some young blood get in there and get some action. Ron Johnson, Darius Taylor's a Detroit guy. I know you got to yep. like that. Yeah, yeah, no. When they recruited him out of Wall Lake Western, uh, that was one thing. I was I wasn't sure if he was gonna play as a as a true freshman. Uh, but when you're from Detroit, you know, we we kind of do it like that. You know, you come in as a true freshman, you show what you can do. Honestly, he's putting a lot of these guys in his taillights now because after a game like that, it's gonna be tough for PJ Fleck, no matter who's healthy, to kind of say, well, let's 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 dial it back a little bit with this kid. We know PJ's one of the guys that he's gonna ride the hot hand and. And, and I will say, Kane called it. I saw his tweet saying, you know, this feels like a breakout day. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I think Sean Tyler. In my head, I'm like, I, I watched the Sean Tyler film last week. I watched that 10-yard run against Nebraska. I broke it down on the Gophers pregame show. And I said, they are going to build on this 10-yard run. And they did. But with Darius uh, Taylor the second, so it, it, it's one of those it's one of those weird situations where guys sometimes get you know their spot taken due to injury, which you're looking at Bryce, and then also due to somebody just outplaying you in a game, and Taylor did it. Yeah, you got to feel good about the run game tonight between Taylor and Tyler. That's a nice one-two punch uh, with the names. 50 carries, 286 yards, about five and a half yards a carry. And of course, the Taylor touchdown, almost two touchdowns. But uh, 56 runs tonight, Kane, to 15 passes, complete 180 in the run pass balance. Yep, I kind of I kind of thought that was going to be the case with this one. If you looked at EMU's tape from last week, uh, especially in the second half for them, they had a lot of missed tackles and they were getting just picked apart by the power run game. That's why I thought maybe Darius Taylor could step up in this one being more of a north-south runner, but I think it'll be a completely different game plan heading into next week with North Carolina being a completely different type of team as well. Yeah, Ron, do you feel better about sort of the balance of this offense now going into the big test next week? Yeah, I, I do. So so clearly they can run the ball when they need to. Um, I, I, I am concerned, though, because Nebraska's defense, we clearly saw against Colorado, they are terrible 
at stopping the pass. And and so clearly PJ Fleck knew that going into that game, saying, you know what, these these and then Deion Sanders must have watched that Gophers film and said, Shadur, go out here and do it because they could not stop the pass. And so I am a little concerned about the deficiency of Nebraska. Is that truly how good Minnesota's defense can be? Or is he, did Eastern Michigan kind of like say, well, look, they can't stop the run, so I'm going to run the ball. I mean, you just don't really know a P.J. Fleck. With North Carolina, again, it's one of those unknown teams in the Big Ten we don't see a ton of. The only thing we really know personally right now is Drake May. We're going to watch a little bit of film this week. But for P.J. Fleck, yeah, I, I am comfortable either way, run or pass. But, you know, Ken, because he always says balanced, but he says, you know, it's not like game to game balance. It's just throughout the year, I'm going to be balanced some way, some somehow. And so we'll see what this next game looks like. Vike, uh, sorry, we talk Vikings a lot. Gophers win it 25-6. to six. Um, I see you, Marcus. I see you, Jackson, in the comments. Thank you for joining the Locked On Gophers postcast. Uh, passing game, Ethan Kaliak-Manis, a tidy 10 of 15, 117 yards, an interception that wasn't really his fault. Uh, Crooms, three catches, 45 yards. Daniel Jackson, two for 42. And again, no Chris Ottman-Bell. It feels like they're missing a home run hitter, Kane. They, they're they're needing Crab to come back healthy and add that one more element to that passing game. I think he would definitely bring a whole nother vibe, another option for the Gophers, uh, a different threat of sorts. But I was curious to that we didn't take more passing opportunities. I feel like with the running game working so well, it could have set up the play action a bit better. And then even with Brevin Span Ford in there, I feel like every time we targeted him, when he's in one-on-one coverage, he's either a pass interference call or he's getting a catch. So I would love to see them kind of work in a little bit more, attacking in the play action game and whatnot. But I think you're right there. Crab will add another element to this offense. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, Ron, wanting Brevin Span Ford pre-injury, obviously, mm-hmm. to get more targets. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I'd, I'd say for Brevin Span Ford, um, it's going to be tough to figure out how to get him the ball. And, and the way this offense looks right now to me, some of the stuff for to him is like boom or bust. I think they do need to find more. Um, I'm not to not to say Chiefs, but Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type routes where he's man to man, where he's in the slot and he's a true viable read option it right now it just feels like all right he's going to run out to the flat let's throw it to him all right let's send him deep let's throw it to him it doesn't feel like he's in the concept the way the other receivers are mm-hmm. um but that could be just the way the the offense right now is drawn up and how coach harbaugh sees it, it he doesn't have brevin as a focal point i think two the second thing is you don't want to show too much too early and i think pj said that he said the open practice he didn't do anything in any open practice that he did in the Nebraska game, same thing. He didn't do anything in the Nebraska game that he's going to do in Eastern Michigan. So he's going to keep changing it up. He's one of the the biggest psychology guys out there in college football. And so his mindset right now is like, we don't if we don't need to show it, let's not do it just yet. Um, I think there are some Brevin Span for packages coming. I saw some people talk about the red zone. I totally agree. When you got somebody six seven, why do you not just split him out to the right and throw a jump ball? He's a he's a great basketball player, but also then it's like, well, I don't want a team to know we're going to do that. So I, I think that is coming, but I think they're trying to work up to it. Yeah, if there's a nitpick, Kane, offensively, I, I believe they're three of eight scoring touchdowns in the red zone the first two weeks. Any any trend that you've observed as to why it's been hard for them to punch it in? 
You know, I don't know if there's a trend, so to speak, but I feel like maybe there's a little bit of predictableness when it comes to at least this Eastern Michigan game. It was pretty obvious that we were going to run. Now they tried to sneak in a quarterback uh, run out to the right, but it got snuffed out uh, on one of them. But I think Ron brings up a really good point. They probably do have some really good options, especially for those bigger games like a North Carolina coming up, like a Michigan in the next three, four weeks or so that you don't want to show all the cards too early. So hopefully as they get more comfortable and as Darius Taylor, who has kind of shown he can be that power running type of guy, gets more involved. Maybe they'll start to make those field goals and the touchdowns. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to the sterling defensive performance, and we'll talk about these injuries as well. But first, let me remind folks that we're brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. couple great promotions going on there right now that are football-related in honor of the NFL starting up. You can bet $5 if you're a new customer. Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed in your account. You also bet five and get $100 off the new NFL Sunday ticket at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Be a part of the fun. Make every moment more at America's number one sports book and official partner of the NFL. Uh, all right, Ron, let's kick it to you. This defense did not allow a first down in the second half. Uh, not much more you can say there. That was a dominant performance. Yeah, the defense, I mean, Joe Rossi, they keep talking about he's the guru, and they say you know he remembers plays that he was in from two or three years ago. Um, the one thing I'll say about Joe Rossi is he doesn't make the same mistake twice, and that's one thing. I think that's one reason why he got the job. Um, he's not going to allow you to, like, you know, you look at Samson Evans. He had 11 carries, 73 yards in the first half, zero in the second half. I was trying to figure out did he get hurt or what happened, um, but the usage just did not happen after that. Then you look at the punts. The Gophers punted zero times. They forced three more punts in the second half. So the, the defense just figured it out. They were they were blitzing off the edge. And, you know, one of the big ones, it was just coverage. Even though guys were, like, allowing the quarterback to scramble, he started to figure out, like, look, don't, don't lose contain and just go crazy. Sit back. He'll throw us one. And then we saw the interception late in the game. So, you know, Joe Rossi, again, like I said, he early on, the quarterback was breaking contain. He was scrambling for long yards. Somehow, some way, he said, you know what, we're going to blitz him a little bit, but then we're going to sit back, sit in our zone. When he breaks contain, just sit back. Don't go after him because he can beat us with his legs. So, like I said, I think Joe Rossi is extremely smart, but that's what that's what he learned in the first half. You threw your first punch at us. Here's now our counter punch and our haymaker, and the Gophers fin finished the game off. Front seven was awfully good, Kane. Uh, Kyler Baugh, a couple sacks. Obviously, Maverick Baranowski was good before his injury late in the game. Trayvon Jones had a big game. Uh, some really great defensive performances on an individual basis, too. Absolutely. I think Kyler Baugh was a man on a mission tonight. Even you see a couple tackles, a couple sacks, but he was involved on a lot of plays and he was giving a lot of interior pressure, which helped this Gophers defense. Like you both have mentioned, the defense had huge adjustments in that second half. They only gave up a total of four yards to that EMU offense when you add in the sack yardage and everything like that. So you go from giving up 148 yards in the first half to four in the second half. And that just tells you how much Joe Rossi adjusted at halftime. Yeah, and I said on our Friday roundtable, it's one of our shows here at Locked On Sports Minnesota, don't overlook Eastern Michigan, Ron. I mean, this was not a slouch, you know, non-Power 5 team, 9-4 and four last year. They had a convincing win in Week 1. They beat Arizona State last year. So the fact that the Gophers looked as dominant as they did, I know it's not a Power 5 team, Ron, but it's not a, it's not a bad win. I mean, that, that certainly is, uh, you know, not a, not a cakewalk of an opponent. 
No, Eastern Michigan was looking for their fifth win over a Power Five school. You know, they beat. Uh, they had a rest in peace thing on the on the on the uh, on their their notes for this week for the media. They beat Rutgers. They beat I think Illinois, and they beat Purdue. So they beat and they beat Arizona State as well last year. So this is a team that can play. Like they 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 play well. They have some really good guys. Um, you know, my dad went to Eastern Michigan, so I've heard yeah. a lot about Eastern Michigan over the past like my life. Uh, but when you look at like over this last couple weeks, even people were talking about some of these Mac schools. I mean, they won nine games last year, so they're not a slouch in the Mac. This is a team that possibly can win the Mac. And, you know, that's one big takeaway from it was this was a solid win for the Gophers. It was convincing. I think that was the other key. If it stayed closely all the way out, people might be concerned, but the red zone is the only concern for the Gophers right now. Like finish the drive, be able to beat guys up and just punch the ball in. But for Eastern Michigan, they can walk and say, walk away saying, look, they didn't put up 50 on us. We lost 25 to six to a really good team. The second half is where it fell apart, I think, for Eastern Michigan. If you look at the number of plays the Gophers ran in the second half compared to them, like time of possession was like a five minute difference. They finished the game as almost a 20 minute difference. So they had 15 more minutes of ball possession in the second half than Eastern Michigan. That's where the game started to get strangled hold on them. Kane, let's talk about this defense big picture. Uh, previous two years, one of the best in the nation in scoring defense. First two weeks this season, they've allowed one touchdown, and that came off a long you know, kickoff return by Nebraska. Very, very good-looking defense. Where do you think this group stacks up to years past that we've seen? I think that's still to be determined, I think, because there's a lot of young guys on this defense, and we haven't even seen potentially the second best player on the defense in Cody Lindenberg and the effect that he can have with that. One thing I kind of noted to myself in today's game is I think Maverick Gronowski has been showing a lot of good things as a redshirt freshman, really getting his first licks of time, but I think that when you watch Maverick play, there's still things because he's the communicator. He's that middle linebacker position. So there's still some things where it feels like he's thinking a little bit as opposed to playing free and playing instinctual all the times. And he's still adjusting to the speed. And you can see that with some of the missed tackles. So I think overall it has a high upside, but I think that there's still things that have to get cleaned up overall. Let, let's get into the three kind of big names that either are recovering from injury or have injury right now. First, Chris Ottman-Bell, who second week in a row doesn't really play, um, was questionable going into the game. Ron, what's your read on Chris Ottman-Bell's uh, timeline here? Uh, uh, PJ just keeps saying he's close. I know on the PJ Flex show, that's all he said was he's close. He said, and he kind of like said, Ron, you know what injury for athletes is mental and it's physical. And so he said with the training staff, with everybody involved, they don't just want to take Chris's word for it. They also need to feel comfortable putting them back out there because they are responsible for their athletes. And I think PJ Fleck, for, for all intents and purposes, does it maybe a little bit more than most schools would do. People were all pissed off. I forgot what school did this, but a guy got a concussion and they put him back in the game. The Gophers are not going to ever do. They're never, they're never going to put their players at risk uh, and, and never going to let their players make a mistake on themselves. So I think for Chris Altman Bell, he keeps saying he's close. My guess, honestly, at this point, if I mean, he played one play. I don't know if that was just to get out there and see how he felt or just say mentally, hey, man, you made it back. Now let's let's be ready. But when you think about where he could go, how long it could take, I'm guessing not until Big Ten play maybe. So maybe another two weeks. Interesting. And it's so hard to know, Kane. I mean, the, the, there's not a lot of transparency with injuries. The most we're going to get is sort of that questionable designation before the game. Do you have any any insight on that? 
No, I think overall PJ kind of keeps those those injury reports like the trade secrets. If he didn't have to give us that hour or two hour report, I'm not sure we would get much of anything. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it is up for kind of interpretation. I think if he is really close, maybe we can see him in a big time game like in North Carolina. But otherwise, I think Ron's right. You might not see him till later when it really starts to get into the nitty gritty of that Big Ten play. Yeah, let's talk about the other fourth quarter injuries that kind of left us with a sour taste in our mouth in this one. Brevin Spanford takes a lick from uh, the Sparas- Joe Sparacio, I believe, for Eastern Michigan, who was really good in this game. Um, but uh, Spanford stayed down. Now, the TV didn't give us a great kind of look at what was going on with Spanford, Kane. So what do you see in the stadium? Um, You know, at first we really couldn't tell what it was, but uh, looking more at it, it looked like maybe it was a stinger. I did like to see when he came off the field that not only did he walk himself off, but he really jogged off the field. He went into the medical tent and there were a bunch of us in the press box that couldn't tell how long he was in there. But at the end of the game, we saw him out there dapping everybody up and he was walking around, looked fine. So hopefully it was something more that was a stinger or something really kind of minor and maybe he lost his win, maybe cramped up or something like that. But it looks like he was okay and walking around out there. So that was a promising sight. Yeah, that's that's really good to see, Ron. I mean, if they don't have Chris Ottmandel for a couple more weeks and, and they would lose Span Ford against UNC, that, that could be crippling to the passing game. Yeah, big time. And, and and this is what I say. I wouldn't say crippling because we haven't seen Brevin really use a ton. But what True. you do lose is his ability, his presence on the field. Um, I was at the Indiana game as a sideline reporter, and I remember watching the usage in that game. And I talked to his tight end coach at that time, and he said, man, his kid's ability and his ceiling is untouched right now. And so, like I said, I feel like Coach Harbaugh is building to it. But at the same time, I could be completely wrong because we know there's coaches that kids leave college and they go to the pros and they dominate. And everybody's like, why did they use them in college more? And so we can all say like, man, why aren't they throwing it to Brevin Span for? Why aren't they doing this? It, it sometimes seems easier said than done. And, and we might see something that they don't see. You know, we might feel something that they don't feel. But I do know they want to use them. I don't think he comes back for another year if they're not going to use them. Um, the question is when, and I, and and that's going to be a problem. But yes, injury to him, uh, it just eliminates a possible person they have to worry about on the field. I will say he does garner attention when he's in the middle of the field. When you notice like that big hit at the end, that was two guys with their eyes on the tight end. So yes, he does eat up some of that space. I I, w- I will say one other thing you brought up, and I and I, I I'm opposed to this is when Chris Altman Bell comes back, he's not a take the top off guy. He's not the deep guy. What he is is a 50-50 ball guy that you can throw fades to. He can control the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. What he is going to actually do is force the safeties to watch the middle when you can get a Daniel Jackson now behind him. Right now, I don't feel like they're getting that. Every time they're running some of these routes, there's not really any like, like allure to, for the safeties to jump anything besides staying deep. So I think Chris Altman Bell maybe adds that element of like, oh, man, he's in the middle of the field. We got to make sure we keep an eye on him, and then you can get that deep ball behind him from a guy like Corey Crooms who has some speed and Daniel Jackson. I, I wouldn't put Chris Altman Bell in the take-the-top-off category crew. No, no I, fair point. I agree with that. I was just going to say he's also a wide receiver that's good in a scramble drill, and I feel like yeah. he can get in sync with Ethan on that note, and I feel like they've needed that on some of this with some of the newer receivers too. Yeah, and he's a violent – like PJ said, he's a violent – catcher in traffic when you throw some of those balls Ethan's arm slot feels a lot like Patrick Mahomes 
Chris Altman Bell is a guy that even with a guy on his back, he's going to make that catch for him where we've seen a couple bobbles, a couple bounces where Altman Bell, that's a secure catch. So, and, and we saw him do it, I think, at practice, like his back of the end zone touchdown. So it's just when is he going to get out there and do it in the game? And there was one other uh, unfortunate injury with about 20 seconds to go. Maverick Baranowski went down with what appeared to be a, a shoulder or head injury. Tough to know. He did jog off the field, and, and maybe Kane will get an update uh, from P.J. Fleck in the postgame presser, and then uh, and maybe not. P.J. doesn't like to talk about injuries. But, uh, Kane, you can follow him. Is it at Gophers Kane Rob? Is that yep. the Twitter? All right, yep. perfect, perfect. Uh, we're going to get a word in from Bird Dogs quickly and then take some questions. Uh First, a word, birddogs.com slash locked on to get some of the most comfortable shorts and pants that you can possibly imagine. I love my bird dogs. I'm a complete convert from Lululemon. Birddogs.com slash locked on, the new promotion. Anything you buy, any purchase on their website, you get the free bird dogs water bottle along with that. They're always mixing up the promotions at bird dogs. They've got the, the liners inside that are so comfortable, the cloud knit fabric, the anti stink wicking sweat. Uh, it is really terrific, you guys. Bird dogs, I love them. You'll love them too. You won't want to take them off. Uh, let's get to the questions first. I'm looking at the YouTube comments. Uh, Bob Swede, how deep can the gophers go? I don't know, Bob. I, I don't know if we know yet. I think this UNC game, Kane, might be a good doppelganger for kind of where this team is at. Absolutely. I think it's a good measuring stick. I think UNC, they're ranked right now. They're probably in a similar tier of program or team as maybe a Wisconsin or an Iowa. So it's a good measuring stick in that front because you know you're going to have teams like that. Now they play a different style of ball, but I think overall it'll give a this defense a real test hopefully we'll have some guys like hopefully Maverick Bernowski isn't too injured or hopefully Cody Lindenberg is back to really give us our best shot mm -hmm. at that game but definitely a good measuring stick of a game yeah Ron you've been kind of on the eight nine win bandwagon I feel like on the Ron Johnson show and, and I assume nothing's happened to take you off that in these first two weeks yeah because the wins I have I mean if you want to just go through we got two already I got uh Louisiana is going to be a win uh, Purdue, um, Illinois, and so now we're at five. Now that's where it gets tricky. I think Northwestern as well, which puts us at seven. So those seven wins, I personally feel like Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, but Ohio, but Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, of those three, I feel like they should be able to win one. Michigan, Ohio State seem very hard to win, um, but I feel like of those three tough ones, Iowa, Michigan State, Wisconsin – they should be able to get one out of those three to get you get eight wins. Um, but this and then again, you I didn't count UNC. So UNC and I agree with, with Kane. This is that's going to be the barometer. Like when they line up at two thirty or like three o'clock, thirty minutes into that game, we'll have an idea because one, they're on the road. Two, they'll have to show like once we get hit in the mouth because now they'll have their crowd cheering them on and helping them out. Can they do enough to silence the crowd like Colorado did versus TCU? You know, you have to understand it's going to be a back-and-forth game. Can Ethan Calig-Manis battle Drake May? This is a great time for Ethan Calig-Manis to show people because everybody's going to be talking about Drake May in a lot mm -hmm. of these top games like this. If he goes out there and throws for 250 yards and Drake May and, and Rossi's defense can hold him under control, they'll be talking about Ethan Calig-Manis. Because um, one thing to think about, too, Joe Rossi, P.J. Fleck won, only two penalties, so very, very clean game. And then on top of that, 
the defense only gave up three first downs. And so that's another part of, oh, sorry, on third down. On uh, on third down, they were three for 10. So this is a defense that clearly wants to get after the quarterback. So, you know, I, I think that's a barometer for how deep they can go, I guess, is the question. I'm still like, yeah, I'm still on eight or nine wins. Let's uh, let's all stop and give a, a quick round of applause. As Dave points out, the Badgers have lost. Yep, the Badgers have lost the game. Uh, Washington State 31, Badgers 22. So that's that's fun. But we've got. I'm having got, a drink tonight, even though I got Vikings <laughs> game day live tomorrow. Celebrate. I'm, I'm drinking. I'm drinking in uh in in uh celebration. And of course, you know you got to have a cigar. You got to have a cigar with the drink when uh, anytime Wisconsin loses, have a cigar. Just uh, like having d- a baby. It feels like that. <laughs> Couple more here, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go. We'll let Kane get to PJ Fleck. But Dave's in the YouTube comments. I see LP on Twitter. I see Han Solom on Twitter. They're all worried about the red zone, and Han specifically wondering why they're not passing more in the red zone. Wondering if they're they're just calling what they think is best, or or why they're trying to solidify the run so hard up near the goal line. Kane, uh, your gut feeling on that? What do you think? I think it's a little bit of what we talked about at the opening of the show, too. I think it's not wanting to put too much on film early. I think it's thinking that you can really dominate this Eastern Michigan team, especially with the run game. And so you combine those two things, plus you see the success that Darius Taylor was having in this matchup. I think that's why you saw a lot of it in this one. I think it's going to be a whole different look next week as we're getting to that measuring stick game, a game that's going to be impactful, and a high-scoring North Carolina team that just went to overtime with Appalachian State. So there's going to be a lot of film that the Gophers dive into this upcoming week and I think we might see some more looks on that offensive front in the red zone that maybe we haven't seen in these past two weeks I personally yeah I think it's I think PJ Flex is petty like all week you guys talked about 55 rushing yards he only rushed for 55 yards is there any concern about you he rushed for 296 I think he's just being petty so now when they go to the podium they're like so, um, well, I mean, 296 yards. I guess you're not concerned about the run game. What should we talk about today, people? You know, like, <laughs> like, like PJ might not do it like Dion and 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 his sons in the way they go after people in the media and stuff. But PJ is still petty. Like PJ can be petty with his stuff, and so I think that's just another petty. Like when when Tyler Johnson was trying to get my records, I know PJ was being petty with some of those shuffle passes for touchdowns. I never got a shuffle pass for a touchdown. My 31, I got him the hard way. He gave Tyler some easy ones. And so I know that because I would get texts from like Paul Rovenack, like you see that touchdown. And they tried that with Chris Hoffman Bell. I know I have 46 straight games with the Big Ten record for catches in every single game I played in. And then they're like, oh, Chris Hoffman Bell is going to pass that this year. He stopped at 41. Nothing against it, but he got hurt. So there wasn't it wasn't consecutive. I don't know what consecutive means to you, but to me, it means every other. I mean, every single one, like one after the next. But that's not part of this. But the problem is. I, th- I think PJ's petty. I really do. I think he felt like, you know what, you guys question my run game. You question my offensive line. I'm going to run the ball to show you guys we are beasts. And it didn't work sometimes. So now going into this North Carolina game, the playbook's completely open. North Carolina has to prepare for the run in the in the red zone now. I think he's going to like he's going to play that game. He's going to pass it now a little bit more in the, re- in the red zone against North Carolina. In closing, we got Jackson giving Tommy Olsen a shout out. We got Alicia asking what we thought of Tommy Olson's commentary, Tommy Olson of Gophers fame, of power trip fame, 
color commentary tonight on Big Ten Network. I thought he was I thought he was good. Kane, you're at the game, so you didn't you didn't yeah, get to didn't consume get to hear Tommy him. O, but but Ron, I give him an eight out of ten. I thought it was a good performance. Uh, I think he did pretty good. He kept the conversation going. He was a natural, you know, he talks well. Um, I, I've done I do not I've done I do I do games for FS1 out in the Mountain West. And so I know like there's different styles. His style is different than mine. Like me, I'm very meticulous. Um some of the stuff he was saying, I'm like, that didn't happen. Like he's like, did that guy just punt the uh, block a punt with his arm or his, his shoulder? No. He's like, oh, he the, the, the DB ran free for that sack. No, he didn't. They picked it up and he ran through the block. So some of the little stuff, you know, Tommy was gonna have to learn. But for for his first time out, I think he did a great job. Like I remember my first time out. And uh, I made the mistake. I think it was uh, well, no, my first time out, I did pretty well. It was Kirk Cousins actually. Michigan State was my first one, uh, nice. but then I did like a game. I think Illinois, and I said um, Regis. I, I tried to make up a story why they called Aurelius Ben Regis. It was a horrible like. <laughs> it, I got caught, and I'm like, I don't even know why they call him that. Why did I even start talking oh, about this? Man, so, yeah. So I so I made some mistakes there, but then I've learned ever since. Now, like now, when I do games, I'm really more of a Tony Romo. I like to like figure out the play before it happens so tell the future at, yeah if you look at nevada tweets look at nevada wolfpack tweets i think last year the year before last their fans were like oh my god this commentator for 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 fs1 is 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 figuring out every single like tight end fade route and it was pretty simple to figure out but you know like that was my thing i just want i didn't want to fool tony romo a bit because i didn't want to screw up because i hate when tony romo guesses everything and he's like 40 percent right and 60 percent wrong and the world loves him uh, but I, I, you know, I did like three or four guesses. Other than that, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to talk, call the game as it goes. But no, I think Tommy did a good job. He did a good job. Uh, it is tough, you know, to be on camera and off camera talking the entire time without screwing up or saying something wrong or drawing a penis on the screen or something. There's a lot of things that can go wrong on a live broadcast. So, you know, good job, Tommy. Yeah. Well, hopefully our first rendezvous on the Lockdown Golden Gophers postcast went well. Kane Robb at the stadium, Locked On Gophers daily host, Ron Johnson, Gophers legend. He's on the Ron Johnson Show. Subscribe here to Locked On Sports Minnesota. We'll do this every week. We'll also do this for the Vikings games, and we're going to be starting up Twins postcast as well. So we're diving into the postgame reaction. Thank you, Kane. Thank you, Ron. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. You can watch it on demand as well after the fact and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.